Tell me the story that led to this idea. Um, it has no origin. I mean, it just keeps popping up. And so okay. <laughs> the call I had, it came up again. With a client. With a client, yeah. Okay. So, but it, I mean, it shows up in all sorts of observations of relationally of how, even in my own relationship with Patty, where I can see I'm not letting her be her. Mm. I'm wanting her to be a certain person. Mm. And when I do that, that, that comes from a place of, yes, it can say, people can say, well, it's control. It's trying to... But it's it's a deeper thing. It's really coming from I have a need, mm. and that need then gets foisted on that object, that thing out there, and so that thing this out there person, stops being this other idea. Yeah. This it can, and it can be anything. It can be anything. This job, this relationship, yep. this spiritual tradition. Any, yep. anything. Okay. And so it stops being able to have any level of conversation with us, which, by the way, freezes the thing in its place, and it freezes you in your place. So there's no forward movement there's no growth and and particularly for yourself there's no growth mm. well so take us to the beginning uh as best you can of the origins of like what is it how would you define it as in the thing that we we look to the thing yeah yeah what's the um, thing well some have called it i mean i didn't originate this idea certainly not it's been around for a long time but people have talked about it as a sacred object mm. it's like this thing that you have to look to you worship it it's it's untouchable. And there's sort of both the individual and a collective approach to this. The collective approach is it is vacuous enough, this whatever this object is, that we get to put in our own personal individual meetings. But there is also some larger sort of social structures to it. It has its own meanings. I'll give you an example is, you know, in the in, in so faith tradition, I would find myself sometimes stumbling into that and realizing I've just touched the sacred object and I'm being met with some resistance around it. Mm. Or um, it, it would show up in politics or it shows up mm. in, in a relationship with an individual. But the collective piece is... No, we have these beliefs or we have these traditions, we have these practices. And if you don't follow those things, well, then, you know, there's a reaction that the institution has to you as an individual Mm. because it's all in protection of this thing that everybody benefits from collectively. Yeah. So there's a benefit that I'm getting from this. So don't touch it. Right. Right. So culturally, we refer to something like the sacred cow. Yeah. Or something that... And and that's usually a dismissive phrase, like, oh, you know, you just don't, don't mess with this sacred cow or something, as in, like, this is something you should mess with. Right. But what you're talking about is that, in some sense, we all have this, but it can kind of come up more at certain times than others, where we've put our hopes, our trust, we've externalized it onto some other thing, or God, or person, or hope, or whatever, so we've externalized something and we've looked to it as a outlet for our needs. Is that what you're saying? I think it is. I think okay. it's, I think there's a reason why it works because if you personally weren't getting something from it, yeah. you wouldn't belong to that. And that happens all the time, particularly mm. in the freedom that we have in this country to switch. It, you know, if you don't believe something, you don't like something, you just yeah. leave that thing. You go find it, go find it somewhere else. And then and there's sort of like a, a, a unity around that. People find themselves banding around this sacred right. object. And it's like, yeah, you've, you know, your needs might be different, but we collectively find something being met here. Um, that's never that conversation doesn't really take place. It's more of a something that happens, I think, at a subconscious you know level. But mm. 
um, but yeah, there's a there this it, it it's it's interesting to see how when it comes to things like um you know hey I want to have a conversation about capitalism if I'm in a country okay. that has capitalism yeah or say you know socialism or you know the moment you talk about it is in a way to actually engage in questioning and 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 thinking more broadly about it you're met with a collective resistance mm-hmm. and that collective resistance has to do with something not not the object itself say for instance capitalism or socialism right. not that in itself but it's the thing that we're deriving from it that gets threatened mm. um, there's something about this that's meeting a particular need it's not actually meeting the need i would argue at a deeper right. level it's just sort of a band-aid and it kind of works and so we okay. don't want it touched and i think that happens on individual relationships with people as well it happens right. in so many dimensions again we're looking for to my mind we're looking for something out there to be some kind of rescuer some kind of protector some kind of source yeah. to our individual needs so there's something we get invested in and i think that's a big part of it any any idea or person a lot of times we get invested in and we don't want to admit that it's not meeting the deeper need it's almost like the pursuit of a sacred object is fulfilling enough and the defense of it Ha- meets a certain kind of need mm-hmm. that the thing itself doesn't need to meet a need. So like politics are the new religion of America. So if you have your side, you can put all of your hope and and defend your side, even though they can't actually meet the, the deeper felt need that you have. Mm-hmm. And they never will because it's like some really removed from you uh, political party. But the act of believing in them and supporting them, it is filling some kind of a need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you wouldn't want to get to, you're, you're absolutely right. I don't think you can get very close to the thing that, that it is that you are. Oh, interesting. Into. Yeah. Because it becomes something. You discover it to be something, not the thing that you want it to be necessarily. So if you get too close to the sacred object, yeah, I wonder if that's if you actually work for the sacred object. You suddenly find out that, <laughs> yeah, like, you oh my gosh, <laughs> oh yeah, disillusion politics and yeah, and yeah. and people in ministry or but you might not say anything because you're benefiting from it, right? You know, from a financial standpoint or from a right. politi- from a position of power, or prestige, whatever it is that you're, yeah, you know, drug of your choice. But yeah, oh absolutely. If you get too close, you you uncover the belly and oh man, that's that, so that true. Disappoints you significantly. Yeah, I mean, it happens in relationships. And yeah. I'm trying, the three realms that are coming to mind the most significant in this world is empire, religion, and relationships. So the political sphere, the religious sphere, and the relational sphere. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can put a lot of hope in it, but if you get too close or you see too much, a lot of times what I've seen is people like switch fundamentalisms and then they become very antagonistic towards the thing they were for because they put more hope in it than they should have. Mm-hmm. It didn't fulfill the need because they tried to make it fulfill more than it could. Yeah. Uh, like we all seen this in relationships. So this person, they fall for this person over here and they like really invest in the relationship and they double down. And even if it's not going well, I'm so invested in this that I keep pouring myself into it. And then there is no greater resentment that anyone tends to feel than when that relationship goes wrong because I would argue maybe looking for it to provide needs that it can't actually fulfill. 
which a lot of people do in their relationships, right? They, mm-hmm. There wouldn't be so much resentment if that other person hadn't become some sacred object and you're trying to gain from them what they can never actually provide. Yeah, yeah. Which prevents us from actually having real relationship, I would argue, which is really mm. difficult because it means much more of that. You, you do not just represent something I need. You are something different. And, um, and so I have to get to know you and how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to do that by, by having to face my fears and asking questions and staying open mm. to whatever you might be. And that's going to affect me and I'm going to change as a result, you know, so borrowing a lot from, you know, David White on the, that piece on conversation we've mm. referred to before is that's a real big part of it, I think, is mm. having a conversation with that thing. Uh, mm. Whatever it is, a person or, as we've mentioned, empire or religion or relationship. Yeah. yeah, those seem to be the three realms that are coming to mind where you see a lot of this thing where this is going to fulfill a need and putting a lot of effort into that, defending it, because even the act of being forward or defending it fulfills a need. But then often what happens is when you get too close to it, it doesn't fulfill the thing you wanted, then the resentment can build and it actually ends up antagonistic towards it. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like anything we set up to be a functional savior in that capacity can end up really disappointing us. So, I mean, what's the solution to this? Because we we have needs that Mm -hmm. are met, that are these deep things, and people look to have them met. But I think the conversation piece is, you know, acknowledging what is there. Like dogma is really the antithesis of faith. Mm -hmm. Like true acceptance and love of a partner is the antithesis of putting the worried of the world on them, obsession with them. I don't know how you put it. Yeah, I mean, I've been calling it, you know, using a religious term, I've been calling it worship. Like the... Oh, the the difference between worship and love, you know, um, in a in a romantic relationship. Oh yeah, yeah. Say more about that. Well, like you know, worship is like again. I have the sad thing about worship is it does not actually benefit the one that's being worshipped. <laughs> you know, unless that person's huh. an absolute narcissist, and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> keep 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 doing that. I enjoy it. Uh, um, but for the most most part, it's like you're setting me up for failure. Like there's only one way I can go, which is down. It does not allow that person to be known. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to know you. I want you to remain in that position for me so that I can continue to idealize you. I can continue to worship you. Love is different. Love is I'm going to come towards you and get to know you as you are. And that is terrifying because I don't, I don't know you and I don't control mm-hmm. you. Um, and you can be who you are, which might, it might disappoint me. Yeah. It will disappoint me. It's inevitable. And yet I choose to love you. And in that way, that person is seen and they're still loved. And I think that's the distinction to my mind between the way I'm using the term worship, you know, I'm using it in a particular way, but that's the, the difference between worshiping something and loving something. Yeah. It, I think of that. No one is really scary up close. You know, you can't really fear someone you know up close, but you also can't idolize. And I think that's, mm. I think there's something that has to do with uh, that old concept of idols and idolatry, which is anything we hold up and we say, well, this is, this is the answer. This is the solution. Yeah. Um, even in the growth world or the, 
self-help world or any of those things when people are like, well, this is it. You know, if you just know this, you just get this, then this is going to be the answer. answer. It's like, no, it isn't. Um, I think we've said that from the beginning. Like, Enneagram is not the answer. It's just kind of like, hey, this is where you are on the map. Here's the road. This is where you are. Now you actually have to journey from here. Yeah. Like, this is who this person actually is. But I I see this all the time. Uh, I was interviewed uh, by this church, actually, that was asking me about, like, what's the number one thing that goes wrong in relationships, do you think? And I was like, it's, it's that, you know, you are not me or you're not fulfilling the thing I wanted you to be. So, mm. you know, when people meet, it's like I give you this like invisible job description, like you're supposed to fulfill, you know. Yeah. You're supposed to meet my needs. You're supposed to, you know, this idea yeah. of you're there to meet my needs. And you have this thing about source and resource. Yeah. When someone can be a resource, but if they become the source, you know, this is like two ticks with no dog. They're just like sucking the life out of each other. Right. Exactly. And that's the, in that way we're using sources like, the, you know, big source, big S, yeah. you know, like whatever you want to call it, whether you call it universal consciousness, you call it spirit, you call it life, you call it, you know, God. Yeah. But the idea there is, there is something that is source and source is always present. We think of it in this way that it is good. Mm. It's always present. It's benevolent. It's always, gi- it's always giving more, uh, eternally more than, than it is taking. Yeah. Uh, but we're, you know, it's very human like uh, yeah. reaction is we look for things that are very physical, very tangible, very yeah. much practical right here and now. And so somebody who embodies something yeah. that we need or something, a political system, right. a religious system, a relationship, we can look to that thing as being yeah. as being the source. And then it's really difficult for us to break up from it, to let it go, yeah. because it has become everything to us. And I think one of the deepest, it was difficult for me, and I, I've gone through this, and I, there's much more for me to go through in this space, but learning to separate those two out. Like, that person represents something that I really deeply need and love. Mm. But what if I could separate just that out a little bit? Not, not entirely, because that person certainly is, you know, this beautiful person that yeah. has embodied this characteristic that's helpful to me. What if I could be grateful to source for that and separate that out from resource? Thank source for this resource instead of yeah. requiring this thing to be... Yeah, to be everything. Yeah. Imagine the weight you put on people when, or, or systems, political systems or religious systems. We put so much weight on them yeah. to give us what it is that we need um, rather than looking at it and say, oh, grateful. Thank you. This is wonderful. Yeah. Right? But then recognizing this comes from the abundance source of all things. Mm-hmm. And so I can be grateful that it's always going to come my way, that I don't need to grasp it and hold on to so tightly to it because once it's gone, it's gone, you know? Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think when my... Marriage is the worst is when I'm looking to Abby to fulfill all of these different aspects. But when I like look to her to do the thing that she can do, and then I have all these other relationships that can fill different aspects of it, then everything is sort of in its proper place. Then I'm not putting too much weight on any one person. And also you can actually be a resource in return. (laughs) I think that's the, that's the other side of this. Is it like, you know, we work with so many different people who have been through addiction or in process of like coming clean clean from addiction like this is one of those like things that they often talk about where like three years in to being sober there's this moment they're like okay i've moved away from something 
you know, I've dug the pit, but like now it's in it. And so there's like this tendency to like, well, well, what else can I fill, fill it with? And then that's when they start realizing, oh my gosh, it wasn't just, you know, say alcohol or this one drug. Like I looked to my relationships to f- give me that feeling. I looked to this other religious system to give me that feeling. I looked to this hobby to give me that feeling. And then it's like, we're really confronting what's really in the way. What's, what's really the addiction is this like, I need you to be, I mean, a savior. Well, it's meeting <laughs> a need by, by your type. Your personality type has a, has a core need to it. Yeah. And we're trying to get it, that need filled. And as you mentioned, I think it's, that's really a great, I think a great development of this idea is it's going to be met some way, somehow, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to meet it through alcohol. We're going to, I've, I've watched people go from that to you know, workaholism. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, and, or, you know, I've watched it in my own life where it's like, oh, I've switched from this one thing to something else. It's, it's really, our, our egos are really clever and sophisticated. They're going to figure a way out of mm-hmm. getting its need met. And, and so I like the way you've, you've put it into the in, incarnate way and in the, and sort of putting it into flesh. Like it's not one person, you know, mm-hmm. for you, you, you can find your, needs being met in various different ways. And I think that that's great because it's not that we're saying, hey, there's source and then resource, meaning that you're always looking to get outside of the embodied world and into, right. you know, source. That's not what we're saying. I think source is within resource. I, I think yeah, that they're inexorably sure. connected. I, I I believe that at a deep level. But it is um, helpful to recognize that source transcends that in some mm. respect, but it's also found within it. So that you can say, oh, yeah, okay, this person represents an aspect of something tremendously beautiful, tremendously glorious, and we can receive that and then look somewhere else. Where is, where else could that be, you know? And in what ways can I receive that into my life and engage with that as conversation to say, I'm exploring this. I haven't locked in on this is what I need and now I'm looking for it everywhere. It's there, I do have a need. And I expect it's going to be met in different ways. But I'm also curious, who could this person, in what way could this person be a gift to the world, to me Mm. and to other people? In what way can I be a gift uh, to them? It's a conversation that then takes us somewhere where we didn't expect to go. We'll use the word gift. And I think that's the shift. When all of a sudden it's like, how is this person a gift to me? then it puts it into the realm of gratitude versus this, like, how can this person meet my, this yeah. like needed? It's kind of like it, it shrinks it down to its appropriate size when you use that kind of language. Mm-hmm. Like when you just said that, it was like, oh, there's like this calm that kind of comes to it. Like, how can I be a gift to this person? I can't be everything to this person. And the second I start feeling like that, I'm actually going to get resentful of them for <laughs> demanding too much of me. And I had sure. that. Yeah. I mean, I remember breaking up with someone because the, way I felt as I, I was, and the way, the language I put around it is I felt like their functional God. Mm. And yeah. that was a terrible feeling. Yeah. But like this, this going like, how can I be a gift to this person? Or how is this person a gift to me? It like puts it into the realm of, oh, this can settle a little bit. Now I'm not looking to this so much. I think people resent, you know, there's been this huge movement in the church of like deconstruction and you know, you couldn't look at like the gift of the relationships and the community and all that stuff as like that was a gift because 
it became this sacred object. And one of the reasons is it claimed to be. And so you have that thing too, is like, and you see this in the political realm right now, it's claiming that it's going to basically be your savior. Yeah. Uh, both sides are doing this. Oh, like we're not taking, yeah. we're not yeah. taking sides right here. Like, yeah. like I see this as guilty in both fronts um, in, in here in the U S. So for those outside of the U S I, you guys got your own political system. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, I don't know. Um, but for the other, you know, 85% of our listeners who are in here in the U S that's, that's the thing. So I think, what you said about gift, like really shifts it to the appropriate place. Cause I was wondering like, well, how do you get out of this thing? Yeah. Like, how do you get out of like things becoming too big? But I think that right there, what you said, there's, there's something I want to pull on that thread. The systems that we create, boy, I've been just reflecting when you were saying I became a functional God, like how many times that was true for me Mm -hmm. in the world that I grew, that I spend a lot of time in the world of ministry and realizing I couldn't be, it was like a really ugly system of I wanted in some sense to be that because then I don't have to deal with my stuff. Oh, at first it you makes you I mean? feel good. Yeah. 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 yeah I, could I don't that. have to deal with anything. It's like, you know, the <sighs> eyes are on you. And then on the other hand, I wanted to come out of that, but mm. I couldn't. And because people looked at me that way. Yeah. And I, so I became resentful. It's a weird thing because you both like, I like that I'm not under the microscope and I kind of don't have to do mm-hmm. my own work in relationship. I can do my own work outside of relationship, like think about things and right. do some changes, but not within the relationship itself as it's happening. And at the same time being resentful that I, you're looking to me and you actually don't see me. You don't yeah. care about anything that's going on in my world. Anything you care about is what you can get from me and you want me to remain a certain way. Started Ooh, I to, felt that. I felt dark for a second there. I was like, oh, let's God. pull up, pull up, pull up. Uh, okay. Like, <laughs> plane's oh, going man. down. Sorry, everybody. Uh, yeah. Didn't mean to like put that heavy feeling on you in oh, your car right man. there. But, oh, yeah. no, but I felt that the word resentment has came up a few different times. Yeah. yeah. You said, because you're like, if I become that, then I start to resent them. But yeah. the thing is, it's it goes both ways. Like when you, when you weren't that, when you suddenly. Um, changed your mind or saw something yeah, differently, yeah. then they resented you for not being the thing they wanted. Oh, you to be. that's where I was going with it. It's, uh, it's like, yeah, I would. I started to open up and become a bit more vulnerable and become a bit more process oriented in front oh, of them. Man. Like not not presenting a package, right. like presenting a process. And it was remarkable because for some it was refreshing, tremendously refreshing. They'd mm-hmm. been waiting for that. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you. This is great. Totally. Others, it was, oh, no, we don't like this because you've changed on us. And that's true in every dimension. I don't think that's just true in, in ministry. I think that's true in relationships. Oh, I think it's true, sure as hell as you relationships. Know, politics. It's true in everything. It's like, don't change because if you change, you threaten that dependent system that we've created. Yeah. You know, on the sacred object, the thing, and then us. Yeah, I remember seeing this in the political realm. Well, this person used to see this way, but then they've been they've changed their mind. So how do you know they won't just change their mind? I'm like, you know, change your mind is that's like, actually a good. It just thing. never made sense to me that the argument this yeah. person changed their mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's like, so, oh that's my a, goodness, that's a problem. Yeah. So they yeah. should like hold the exact same opinions your entire lifetime. If you do, like you've never nuanced anything. It, it's like a it, it, it's it's like an, a badge of honor when people say, like, yeah, oh, I've, "Gosh, haven't changed. I've always had this position." Yeah. Like, well, isn't there a problem with that? Isn't there, where's growth? You know? Yeah. So yeah. And everything else in life, everything is about process and growth. Right. And so do we have room for that? But yeah. So let's come back to the gift. 
Mm. Like when I am a gift, when I want to be a gift to others, but I also see how they can be a gift to myself and to others. And we're sort of just allowing it, not demanding, you know, not demanding that they be a certain way to us as a gift. But what is your gift and how can I come alongside whether it actually meets my need directly or not? How can I be of support to that? And how can you be that way, you know, to others? How can, in other words, how can we be this way for each other? Yeah. You know, simply said, how can we be this for each other? And that is sort of like looking at each other as, as gardens. Like, okay, I've planted the seed, but what are mm. you going to be, what are you going to look like? What's, what's coming? What's going to come out of this? Yeah. You know, instead of, instead of having a fixed sense of this is what I have for a need and this is what I'm looking for in the world around mm. me. And I don't think we allow things to be what they are. And it creates this really frozen system of that which is worshipped and then the worshiper, you know. Yeah. yeah. Our need misplaced turns things into something they could never become. Then we become resentful of them. Yeah. But if we allow them to be what they are, then it can serve as the gift it is instead of extrapolating it into something it could never become which will lead to the resentment. But we've come back, we've said this thing about need, you know, there are needs. Well, then how do we get our needs met? And I think it's really important for people to know that needs are neutral. Needs are not good or bad. You have certain needs. The need is neutral. What we're talking about is the process of appropriately pursuing the fulfillment of that need. Mm -hmm. There's something about the need being neutral and being unfulfilled is unbearable. Being fulfilled is great, but very hard to attain. Therefore, we end up in these like proxy fulfillment uh, mm -hmm. methods where we try to, we try to like get it to suffice. And that's where I think a lot of those resentment builds. But I think if I were to like tie a bow around this kind of exploration that we've gone on and God bless you for following along. <laughs> is this is this like, okay, what is this gift? What is the gift of this thing? Because it's very easy to get cynical, right? Or resentful. Like most people are very resentful of politics. Mm. And I really like some of Rob Bell stuff about politics. He says politics just means like our shared life. Mm -hmm. And you say you don't like politics. Well, do you like roads? Do you like being able to turn on your shower and hot water comes out of it? Mm -hmm. Like are, there are all these people in these positions making decisions so that you have water that flows out of your tap, yeah. that you have roads, that your kids go to these schools. Like these are gifts. And so it, it can be a gift in that sense. If we look at it, our shared life is a gift. Mm -hmm. Politics, which is what that is, is a gift. But because of what it's become, there is so much stirred up resentment. Same with our relationships, same with our spiritual traditions. And so coming back to like, well, where's the gift? What was the gift in that? And even things that I like look back on my life and I'm kind of resentful about, honestly, I'm still like kind of working through that. Like I'm a little mm. annoyed at that or pissed yeah. at that area yeah. of my life. Like starting to ask myself, like, where was the gift in that? What was the gift of that season? What did it give me? Yeah. I can always find something. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think the practice of just appreciation for that and gratitude for that uh, helps us to loosen our demand that the object meet our need. Yeah. We practice gratitude for all things like, oh, that was a gift. Thank you. That was wonderful. Doesn't mean that I'm now need you to be everything for me. Doesn't mean that now 
you and I are going to be <laughs> lifetime friends or, you know, it, it just means, oh, this is a moment. This is beautiful. Can I celebrate that? Can I be grateful for that? Yeah. Um, and that, because, because our need is going to start, look, it, it's always looking. It's all, our need does its own looking. Like, where is it? When am I going to find this? Where is it? You know, it's always looking around and it's going to lock onto something. And so to be aware of, oh, yeah, I can feel that. I can feel myself locking onto that right now. Yeah. Okay, breathe around that and remember gratitude. Mm. You already have everything you need. And that counters the voice internally that, no, no, I don't. I'm actually trying to find it. Yeah. Because I may have everything I need right now, but there's an impermanence to that. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking still out there because I'm looking for the permanence. Yeah. Yeah. Right, permanence. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But once again, this goes away from the whole thing of growth process. Right. Which is movement. Right. And uh, stealing from a couple brilliant thinkers out there that have said, reality is movement. And I thought, ooh, that's really good. <laughs> it's not this fixed thing mm. that we we like as much you know? yeah so, yeah truth is movement too well this is a weird episode it is and <laughs> this is one of those where like some people just completely check out and then other people are like that was the best thing yeah so, i know, like, I know. It's, it's, it's always that mix as we yeah. like try to go looking for something but i th- i like this thread between the need which is neutral into the uh, exaggerated desire of the fulfillment into the sacred object or the sacred thing, uh, often embodied through politics, religion, or relationship, and then the solution bringing us back to remembering what is the gift in all of those things, honoring it for what it is, not what we would want it to be. Mm. And if we honor that as a gift, then we will have moved past trying to turn something into what it's not. Then we move past the continued building of resentments and we're moving towards a, uh, I think, a more fulfilled place, actually, because we're allowing things to be what they are. Because then that will overflow in our own lives and then we can then consider our gift to give instead of needing to be everything or all or this or feeling like we'll never be enough. Yeah. And that's the solution. That maybe can tie into your proxy uh, yeah, stuff proxy with it's like an, in what way does that sacred object become you know fulfilled that become that proxy fulfillment thing you know that you're talking about yeah totally well this is good all yeah. right we'll, we'll go with it sounds good peace out y'all yeah. <laughs>